Good morning. Can you hear me? Do I need to? I apologize because I have either allergies or a cold, so my voice is a little rocky. Today, we are celebrating the unknown saints. This was the easiest one to research. I was joking with Matt. Uh, so we'll go ahead and begin with the prayer from the Litany of Saints. Here we go. For all the unsung heroes and heroines of our faith, whose names are known to God alone, for all those in our own lives who have revealed to us the love of God and shown to us the way of holiness. Thanks be to God. This is my This is my favorite category of saints because it includes most of us. Uh, in a hundred years, it will include more of us. Um, so it's something very near and dear in my heart to just give thanks today for all the people who do offer things to the Lord and who we don't, uh, we won't hear about this side of glory probably. First, I have a question for you guys. What do we talk about when we talk about the saints? Uh, this is meant to be a bit of a review question. Um, because we've covered a lot of people this year of, who are very different. Um, so what are some of the qualities of the saints that we've covered? Do you, want, do you need a refresher on some of the people? So you've got Abraham, Sarah, Paul, Saints Monica and Augustine, St. Alred Bach, George Herbert, Wilberforce, Justin Butler, John Wesley, James Hannington and the Ugandan Martyrs, Desmond Tutu. It's a wide-ranging group of people. Um, thank you. Ones through whom Christ has shined. Yes. Or shone. Yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> One, yes. Those through whom Christ has shown his light. Yes. That is a great uh, example. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, these small figures of history. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm glad you said that because that really brings up my point, which is it's easy looking back over the course of history to bring out these great Christians who've lived, right, and done these seemingly great, I mean, you know, 
well, on, truly great things. Um, but that's not really what being a saint is about, actually. Because I, I would submit to you that if a saint is very successful and influential, it is almost by accident. Uh, their calling is to be faithful and obedient to what the Lord has asked them to do, to use their gifts and talents for the Lord, uh, to love the Lord thy God with all the, thy heart and soul and strength. Um, and so I think th this is the, the needful corrective that's in the litany itself to say, uh, if we're aiming at sainthood, uh, let us not uh, be either dismayed or otherwise misguided by our ego that we must be successful and influential in human terms. Yes? You just used the phrase, if we are aiming for sainthood, and it seems to me that that's the one thing that one doesn't do. <laughs> Well, that's, that's true. Well, it's, it's another, I could rephrase that by saying, what does the Lord ask of us? Right? Um, yeah, so you have some people that are officially recognized by this church or that church as quote-unquote. Right. And then you have others that are equally successful, like uh, when I was researching uh, Hennington, the name Alexander McKay came up all the time, but <laughs> nobody officially gives him a feast day or anything like that, even though he was the guy that was pretty much the guy who did most of the work in bringing Christ, uh, Anglicanism to Uganda. And then you also got some overlap where you have um, them recognized, the people recognized as a category of Ugandan martyrs. But I think I, I made the point pretty clearly that there's a ton of those whose names have been lost to history. Right. Right. And uh, then you've got those who are unsung by history but are known by some people here and there. When I was at Wheaton, I could not, as try as I might, find any information about my grandparents. Hmm. And all of them were missionaries. Hmm. I know them. Right. I may not know exactly what they did, hmm. but they don't quite fit into today's category because I know Yeah, well, <laughs> right. But for, for our purposes this morning, I'm covering a lot of people who just would not make it into a, a litany of saints. Um, and your grandparents would be included in that. Um, okay. If you'd let me shift into a Bible story for a minute. Uh, this is a familiar one, it's the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus multiplies the bread and the fish. Um, it's interesting as an exercise just to read through the Bible and note who is not named because there are a lot of people that we know only, you know, by something that's not their name. The, the woman at the well, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. The various widows of various places. Uh, there are many people who 
either the Gospels or the biblical narrative in general leave unnamed. Um, and yet they provide very important roles. Um, and so I want to focus first on the nameless little boy who offered his lunch. As the story goes, Jesus had been teaching for a long time. People were getting hungry. Uh, his disciples said, hey, we need to dismiss and let these people go eat. And Jesus says, well, how much food do we have? So the apostles are sent out among the crowd to collect whatever food they can find. So I'm assuming some disciple came up to this little boy and said, hey, you know, the Lord is asking for any food do you have any? And he said, well, I have this lunch my mom packed me. Here you go. Uh, and that's all that they found. <laughs> um, and he had no idea why Christ was really asking this question either, or, or the disciple was asking of him. You know, maybe he just thought Jesus was hungry. And so... Well, he can have my lunch. I'll eat later today, you know. Um, but the point is, he, he gave what he had. And it was small. Uh, but he gave it to the Lord. And the Lord multiplied it. Um, in John 6, verse 8 and 9, I really resonated with Andrew here. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? It is so easy to look around at the needs of the world and even at the needs of my family and say, I do not have enough. Um, and some days it is like, Lord, here's my protein bar and my cheese stick, and here you go. This is all I got, you know. That this is what I've got. Um, but but the Lord receives it. Um, yes, do you have a comment? <laughs> um, right. I've always suspected personally that that's more of the case that only someone so weak and innocent as a small child mm. would say, oh yeah, here you go. And then the Lord could actually then use that as a greater, even greater teaching when people are like, well, if I give any out, I'm not going to get any food. Not the whole crowd didn't have anything, but yes. Yeah, I love that. That's a great idea that that maybe there were people who had food but just didn't offer it up. Right. And that if our is just counting men. Yes. It is just counting men. Yeah. Maybe fifteen thousand. Right. Surely someone else brought some food along with them in their sack. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it's a wonderful prayer that I have that would just be to say, Lord, we, 
take what we have and, and, and you use it. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but I offer it to you. And Lord, may you multiply it. Right. Um, because the wonderful thing is that Christ is not limited here by the smallness of the offering. So give what you have, your small gift, to Jesus and let him do as he wills with it. And I think that's what many of the people we've covered this year have done. Right? Um, now, this is all souls. And so today, for just a moment here, I'm going to um, give thanks for the unsung heroes of this place. Uh, for the volunteers who clean, who empty the trash and vacuum the rug, the floor. For the men who fold all the bulletins every week. For the nursery volunteers. For the people willing to sit on the hard floor of the undercroft to minister to the smallest among us. For the ladies who prepare the table and wash the linens and the chalices, for all those who make the coffee, we give thanks to the Lord. Uh, for all the adults investing in the lives of our youth, for confirmation sponsors, youth retreat chaperones, mission trip volunteers, for all those who pray, really pray for the needs of this community, who never get credit for their work because they give all the thanks and glory to God for any answered prayer. For those who open their homes to groups for fellowship and prayer, and for everyone here who would be called a true friend, we give thanks to the Lord. Now, I am convinced that God hides some of his best servants in obscure and lonely places. So I'm going to highlight a few of these servants of God in my own life, and then I'll invite you guys to do the same if you would share. This is me at about three with my parents. So when I think of those in our own lives who have, re who have revealed to me the love of God and shown to me the way of holiness, um, I have to think of my parents first. They've prayed for me since the day I was born, dedicated me to the faith as an infant, taught me the faith, taught me to pray. Um, I owe them a great debt, and all I can say is, may the Lord repay them. Now, my, my dad is a pastor. They are both in the ministry, and uh, they stake their lives on the reality of the invisible God. For without a transcendent dimension, their lives look rather incomprehensible and insane and utterly wasteful of their potential and prime years of their lives. Now, if you may not remember, but years ago I mentioned that my dad travels overseas and teaches uh, Bible students. So here is a picture of him teaching 
Bible students. In Russia, it may be Mongolia. I am not sure. Uh, so for me, he is one of these unsung heroes. Um, I mean, I will admit teaching theology overseas seems like kind of a big deal sort of thing. Uh, and, he, and it is. He's taught like over 2,000 people over 25 plus years. Um, but at the same time, he was pastoring a church of maybe 150 people in Abingdon, Illinois, uh, when he first got a call from his college buddy asking, do you want to go to Russia? Um, does anyone know where Abingdon, Illinois is? Because you all live in the same state, <laughs> but you don't, <laughs> probably. Uh, do you have a comment? Ah, I see, yes. It is uh, near Galesburg, Illinois, where there is a uh, Diocese of Quincy congregation. So that's the only way I can connect it, but it's like 4,000 people. Okay. Uh, so it was a fairly obscure place. <laughs> uh, his ministry overseas has not made him rich. He's not made a name for himself. He's not ascended in the ranks of his denomination. And in fact, his pastoral ministry at home has faced many trials. The church he pastors now in Tennessee is actually smaller than the one he pastored when he first left for Moscow. But he has seen God do some wonderful things. And he considers that to be his privilege. And he has been faithful. And this is not even to mention my mother, who made it possible for my father to go, uh, and she gets even less notice for it. Meanwhile, she visits the sick, prays for the needs of the congregation, calls the lonely, and works full time. The Lord sees, and they will by no means lose their reward. I can only hope that it may be said of me that I wasted my life serving people of no renown, hidden in the secret places of the Most High. Uh, this is my old Sunday school teacher, Bonnie, back in the 90s in Abingdon, Illinois. She taught the third, fourth, and fifth grade Sunday school class. I mentioned her in a comment, I think, several weeks ago, but she, would all, she didn't have any kids of her own, and her husband didn't come to church with her. Uh, but she was always bringing nieces and nephews and any other kid to church. Um, she worked at Maytag for a while in Galesburg before that closed down. I honestly don't know what she's, well, she's probably retired at this point. Um, Bonnie will never make it into a litany of saints on this earth, but her name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that is better. Right? Mm -hmm. And when I think of Bonnie, I think of the verse from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and Paul says, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to love one another more and more, 
and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. I don't know that I've made it my ambition in my own <laughs> to lead a quiet life. But that's what the scripture says, and I think Bonnie fulfilled that one. And one more person from my personal life. Uh, the woman on uh, the far left there is Carol. Uh, she uh, had a, the mental capacity of a, like 10 to 12 year old. Um, and so that qualified her to live in an assisted living facility in town that the locals called the High Rise. Um, she was at church in the front row every single service we had, ever. She had her little cassette tape player and would record every sermon. <laughs> uh, she invited us over to her apartment and made a spaghetti every time because uh, I think spaghetti was like her specialty the one thing that she really knew how to make um, and she always remembered birthdays so she for years even to the point into my marriage so 15 years after I moved away she was sending handmade little cards sometimes printed out from her computer folded up uh, and she would sometimes give us a call. And she did this for all my family. And, and who knows, however many other people. So she never held a job. She never got married. She didn't have kids. She didn't write a book, uh, earn any kind of degrees. She didn't get ordained or start a movement. Um, but she loved people, and she loved God. Um, And this is the great news of the gospel to me, is that holiness and, and being a part of the family of God is really open to everyone. You don't have to be um, epic in any way, <laughs> you know, um, because God made Carol, and he loves her. Uh, and she's with him now, I'm sure, in heaven. I love this quote. Um, May we all be configured to the glorious failure of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't mean to say that Christ actually failed, um, but on Friday night, it surely looked like he did. Um, he was obedient to what the Father asked of him, he was faithful, he forgave people from the cross um, I mean he but for all the world it looked like he would he would be forgotten you know Rome certainly would want to stamp out his name um, the Messiah born to free Israel was not supposed to die not like this not on a Roman cross 
And, and I bring this up in part just to say, success is not really the goal, right? Uh, faithfulness is the goal. And it's so easy um, to get discouraged if we don't see you know, the fruit of our labor. Um, but Jesus said to take up his cross and follow him. And that is certainly something that well, no less difficult. He, he will give us the grace to do. Wow. Now, I'd like to hear from you. Um, do you have any stories of people who you would like to thank um, God for, for, for whatever little thing they did um, in your life? Alicia, yeah. Someone will. No, that's okay. I wasn't with the people that chose it, but they yeah. said, hey, we're not all saints, but a church for the rest of us, for the, so a church of glorious failures. Yes. Let's never forget that. Yeah. I, I, would, say, I would throw in Chris Perkins and, and Carol Hopps, uh, mm. uh, uh, the youth pastor at Haddonfield United Methodist Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey, and one of the adult workers who was a clerk for the Supreme Court in Trenton. And she just gave up her time. And those people, like, they're obviously, in my life, without them, nothing, nothing. No Christianity. But with them, everything. Right. Yeah, I wanted to, it was too long of a quote, really, to fit in here. But it, in C.S. Lewis's Great Divorce, um, there's a scene where there's a woman, if, do you know the premise of the Great Divorce? <laughs> uh, where the, the, Lewis kind of goes to a afterlife of sorts, and he, so he meets these shining people, one of whom uh, is so glorious, she's accompanied by animals and just beauty beyond belief. 
And Lewis asks in the book, or the narrator asks, whatever, um, oh, who is she? You know, surely she was someone like important, right? And, it, and his guide is like, well, you know, we're all kind of like, I mean, you know, <laughs> like, no, you would never have heard of her, but also, you know, heaven turns all of this upside down, right? Um, because we will all be known as, know as we are known. Um, God knows who we are. He sees, right? So th there's this sense in which it won't matter on earth if you weren't a big deal. Um, because heaven might know who you are. And yet when we get to heaven, we'll just be past all of this, like, no, you know, you won't care if you're not a big deal in heaven. You know, this is not something that's going to be a problem, right? Uh, we're all filled with the love of God up to however much we can contain, right? So there's no more, like, comparison or... Uh, there's no ego or despair, right? Um, because another one of the ghosts who come to the paradise in C.S. Lewis's uh, story is very dismayed to find out that no one uh, studies his paintings anymore. He's like, oh, I got I to gotta do something about this. And again, his guy, trying to get him to go deeper into glory, says, no, 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 don't worry about any of that. You know? Um, I, I also, it's interesting what you said about, like, uh, Matt, about um, sometimes the greater the personality, the greater the shadow, you know? Because I, I did ask myself, well, who are some of the names of, of recent times that might provide a contrast? And this is just kind of an exercise in terribleness because I thought, well, you know, some, some of the most uh, influential Christians of the last generation in our area might be Bill Hybels or James McDonald, who... You know, both had wildly successful ministries, but again, are not people who I would want to emulate in my life, necessarily. Um, and even to go back further, like you've got Karl Part, who's the greatest theologian of the 20th century, probably cheated on his wife. Uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, we, we owe him a great debt as a nation. God certainly used him. Also having affairs. I mean, the FBI would, don't even go there. But the, you know, the FBI has like tapes because they were going to blackmail him. Uh, you can look that up on your own time. Uh, but so even some of the people who did, who God did use. I mean, God has used all of these people, like in wonderful ways. Um, and yet, when you start to look into the details, you know, their personal holiness may be exceeded by someone whose name we don't know, right? Um, because I can't imagine, 
you know, it's 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 uh, it's the the parable or the that Jesus gives about the sheep and the goats, where it's like those who come to him and say, "Lord, Lord, we did all these great things in your name. We cast out demons and did all of these things." And yet he says, "No, I I don't know who who you are." Um, and then the people who he does know are surprised that he knows them, because they say, "Well, what?" When did we give you a drink of water? When did we visit you in prison? We, when did we give you something to eat? Um, but whoever does not the least of these does not unto me, he says. Um, yes? But I also think that that's the, I think the beauty of the grace of God is that even amidst sin and hardship and all of these things, it does not preclude you from Right. The opportunity to participate in right. work of the kingdom. And I think that, right. you know, you look at Dr. Martin Luther King and Karl Barth and these people that have um, had great influence in the world and in theology and all these sorts of things. Um, it, to me, it is very comforting to know, and even amidst sin, uh, we have the opportunity to receive grace and be a part of this work that can extend for generations and generations. Um, and then to speak to your question about who has played a part in our lives, I, I, to me, the most um, tangible evidence of Christ has been um, people in the long history of my own family's past where I had a great aunt, um, Aunt Willa Jean, who I never met personally, but um, the grace and love that she showed those around her has become sort of this beacon in my family's history and life that, um, you know, by no means is my family like the easiest to get along with on every occasion, but, but we will talk about Aunt Willa Jean as this person to which we um, uh, long to pattern our lives after and she was just such a shining example of Christ to um, believers and non-believers in my family and so I think like that sort of legacy and I'm sure there were skeletons in the closet as there are with all of us um, but that that tangible love and patience and grace that she showed everyone in her life is still speaking very evidently today so yeah Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I really like you drawing out the the fact that God does use us even though we are imperfect vessels, right? Um, which th I mean, praise him because otherwise I don't know how anyone would do anything for him. But yeah, go on. Yeah. Public figure, you have one public failing. Congratulations! Everything you've ever worked for is now considered uh, null and void right. and tainted. Um, and I think the thing we always need to realize is, yes, there's definitely many people out there who have openly betrayed the trust of those who they should not have. But the big difference between them and us is theirs was simply televised. Our <coughs> Right. That's the upside of being nameless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Micah? Yeah, and going on with that, it's just, it's 
such a pitfall of this praising the individual. You know, we want, you know, this pastor is going to lead the church. We're going to be at this great church until the pastor leaves. Then we'll go to another church over there the pastor. Or we love the president. The president's going to fix the economy, end unemployment, you know, bring about world peace. And <laughs> fixating on the individual is just so wrong. And I think that's what's so powerful about, about what you're pointing out here with the unknowns. I'm sitting here thinking about my grandma, and my parents, and my previous pastor, and my aunt, and my camp counselor, and my accountability partner. But it's just, it's not about any single one of them. It's about how God has brought us all together. We, we really are hurting ourselves. We're looking at one person, one human being. Right. What's striking, so striking to me about all this is how the unknown saints are known deeply to us personally. Right. That, like, that their impact on us is profound. Yeah. And so for me reflecting on it, they're almost more influential. Yeah. Because we can do that. Like I was thinking for myself, a person is my, my college mentor in terms of economics and sort of changed the course of my life. But one of his most profound impacts on me was just being somebody I really respected professionally, but also just a very transparent Christian. He didn't do anything special. He just made it real clear that he, he prayed. He prayed for us. He took the Bible seriously. So in grad school, when it seemed like, wait, am I dumb to be a Christian? I could think on this guy. And P.J. Hill was not dumb. Right. He was a Christian. And, and even more, I could do that. You yeah. know, I can't necessarily go do what these titans have done. Right. Movement or you know, right, amazing theology, or you know, lead people to freedom. Right. But these things that these unknown saints can do, we can do too. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm also thinking that around every visible, publicly lauded saint, there is the body of Christ. Yes. Without whom, nothing would be possible. And right. I, think, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this, but. Uh, when I was growing up, I, I was growing up in a large Presbyterian church, uh, pastored by a man with a PhD who wore his Phi Beta Kappa pin every Sunday. <laughs> and um, when my parents' uh, marriage started going up in flames mm -hmm. about 1970, that was not something that happened in nice, big, uh, evangelical Presbyterian churches in Livonia, Michigan. And, uh, you know, there was a woman, one of my Sunday school teachers, whose name just popped into my head this morning after years of forgetting it, who guided me through that time in a way that Dr. Hess could. Yes. Yeah. Joy. I really appreciate 
study for the lives of the saints, but we have to make sure that we use it in a way that doesn't just bring us down, like, oh, I can't do this, or, oh, I guess I'm really not like that. We have no idea what we're like. And right. maybe in this life we'll get just an inkling of what our impact is. I don't know. We're not promised that. Um, but I think that's one of the dangers if, if you study the saints, is it can actually just make you feel less than what you're doing. And the reality is, only God knows your impact, and only God has seen that full picture. So it's, I, I really, that's not to say don't study the saints. I think it's, it's totally a work and a value. Just don't fall into that pitfall of knowing, like, oh, I'm not in that league, or I, I, I'm not really making an impact. You don't know. And my favorite example of that among the saints we've studied is probably Saint Benedict. Because he's known as, you know, this guy who founded monasticism, basically, in Europe and saved Western civilization. I mean, or planted the seeds for Western civilization, preserving the wisdom of antiquity. And, but he, that's not what he set out to do. Yeah. He, he left Rome because knowing his own weaknesses, he thought, I can't, it's hard to be a Christian here. I'm going to go be a Christian in a cave, follow Jesus there. <laughs> and then, I mean, seriously. seriously. And, then, and then he's like, well, there's these other people. Maybe we can all get together. And, but but he, they were ser seeking to serve God with their whole lives. And, and, and in a community of people, all who would support each other in, in that endeavor. It, it's just by accident that they happened to have this huge cultural impact. And he had no idea he would be doing, like, he could have no idea that 1,500 years later or whatever it would be, I don't know, um, that we would still be talking about him. So. Right. Right. 
Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. The eulogy virtues versus the resume virtues. Um, we're done. <laughs>